and welcome back to How Good Is That? Season 2, To the Black, Episode 4, Shindig. My name is Dan. J-Rod. Uh, I got a secret. Oh, that was eerie. That was very eerie. I didn't like it. Please stop. Don't ever do that again. So we are here. We are here this week. We are back again, and we're going to talk about the fourth episode of Firefly Shindig, uh, which includes a very British accent in the vein that Max just tried to very eerily imitate. Uh, it also includes one of my favorite sequences of the entire series, when uh, Simon, Book, and Jane are playing cards. Um, I just think that's a wonderfully Yet again, slice of life sequence, uh, like we get in the rest of, you know, we've talked about, I think, what, in every episode so far? That these little slice of life sequences of the crew just being humans just is so absolutely wonderfully well written. Do you want me to start my contentious opinions early, or do you want me to hold them? I mean, that part chronologically. Do, do, I you, assume... do your contentious opinions start with them playing cards? That's, I hate that scene. I hate it. Wow. It's useless. It doesn't do anything to move the story forward. It's literally in there so you can know real quick that River is Simon's sister and that she's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I can't stand that scene. And that she's a fugitive. Yeah, it's it's a horrible piece of poop exposition scene. Sorry. It's all right. It's it's it is definitely exposition. It is definitely expository, but I look at it as the whole right i look at it as part of what it is it, to me which is again this is the slice of life being involved oh, i'm looking at it as a whole a butthole you're not allowed giuseppe is such a happy monkey <laughs> <laughs> sorry if for those of you out there in listener land this is one of my least favorite episodes of the show not to say it's bad it's not to say that I don't love Jane Espenson, because she is tremendous. She's a great television writer. She's way better than you or I will ever be. Yes, I could not hope to be a fraction of what she is. Like, more than... I guess zero is not a fraction. Jared is zero a fraction. Technically, it can be a fraction. Zero over whatever number you decide. Okay, then I will be that fraction of Jane Espenson as a television writer for the entirety of my existence. But, I'm just saying, this one falls way short for me in the uh, in the series as a whole. I mean, again, understandable. I don't agree with you, but it's understandable. Um, to, so to start from the very beginning, because I guess I jumped in a little bit, um, it's pretty obvious from the jump this is going to be an Anara-centric episode. Yep, we're starting in a bar. You know, it seems to be a thing that we do. <laughs> We've had this, I mean, this, like, from the jump. All right, I'm going to, like, start being negative, I guess. More negative. All right. Continue my trend. We've already had this scene. Where Mal does something in a bar to piss people off and they get into a fight. We've seen it already. Why are we seeing it again now? Like, just don't... I don't even care for this opening. The pool thing's cool. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, what happens if they scratch? <laughs> Why don't they just have a regular pool? It's space pool, Paul. Space pool. All balls not space. were lost. All balls were lost in the transportation. Tomorrow. Maybe they it just... Was, it was like a pool table on a ship or something, maybe. But it's it's not on a ship. Yeah, follow me. I think the billiard company just makes one, one pool table now. 
Like that's all you, or maybe that's the cheaper model to buy is you buy the the the. Yeah, balls are more expensive. One. Real balls are more expensive. I don't know. I'm just trying. I'm just. I'm, so you I'm use just digital ball balls. Here. Digi balls. Digital monsters. Digi balls are the champions. But if you hit the table, the balls still move. Look, yeah, that's a good question. I would be willing to imagine that we have currently, right now, had more conversation about the pool table than anyone save probably the people who did the digital effects. It's an important topic that was not addressed. He's right. I mean, it's, it's a reasonable point of conversation because it's very, it's left pretty ambiguous. And it's definitely something the prop people maybe not so much the prop people, but definitely, like you said, the digital artists would have had to talk about. Mm -hmm. Like, how does this work? Like, what are the defined rules of it? Like, is it, does it only acknowledge a cue? Like, the cues aren't special, right? The cues seem to be completely mundane. Mm -hmm. So, does it acknowledge only cue, cue hits? Like, can you just swipe around the table and it doesn't matter? Or is anything that impacts, you know, within the table something that would you know, have a some kind of actual effect on these digiballs. Yeah, I mean, like well, when they're fighting, he gets thrown against the table and the balls all move. Hmm. So maybe it's something to do with pressure on the... I don't know. It's an interesting question. Don't know. I mean, so you not, guys, you guys have probably seen those, uh, those things that... I know they had them at malls for a while, and I haven't been to a mall in a minute, but those, like, overhead projection shots that you could interact with like on the that mm -hmm. were on the floor it always struck me as something very much like that where it's you know a projection based with like a computer that receives interruption to the projection i think so. it just probably was a, a note in the script and they're playing space just, pool it probably just adds more to the scene that you know hey he gets hit. there's more movement more things happening more sounds in the, it made it a richer shot to have the pool balls move, is my guess. But they might I not think it's a space show. They might think it's a not space show. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, and again, right? Every episode sort of has that. Uh, every episode sort of has that line between western and sci-fi, and mm -hmm. sometimes it does seem like they run too highly on one side or the other. But, uh, you know this. I will say one of the negatives, as far as I'm concerned, of this episode for me, of which there are not many because I quite like this episode, is the this sequence with Badger and everything is extremely ham-fisted. This is the plot of this episode. Oh, are we jumping? Are we jumping? At, are, is that a jump? That's kind of a jump, right? A, a bit. Mm, not terribly so. Yeah, they just land, right? They mm -hmm. land. They have a conversation about dresses. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I love that conversation, though. That's one yeah. of the better parts of this. Uh, when Mal insults Kaylee and everybody gets pissed off at Mal. Yeah, yeah. Cool, because it's like they all, all of them, to a person, look at her like a little sister. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that here. Very you know? much. There's a few times. There's a few lines I really like with concern to Kaylee in this episode. And, uh, yeah, this one is one of them. Very much. Like, it's just that... That is a piece of exposition because you got to know that Kaylee's the mechanic, right? So you do that real quick mm -hmm. with the 
know what I mean? What are you going to do with that in the engine room? Yep. Like that kind of stuff. It's a piece of exposition, but it feels natural because they're getting onto a planet. They're looking at things they don't get to look at, which is stores and stuff, and really yeah. expensive stuff. Like that, fe- that reads so real to me. I love that piece of exposition there. Yeah. And see, and see, I view that the same way with, uh, with the card game is it feels like live exposition that makes these characters more human. So that's, I sort of view those two things kind of the same, but, um, I mean, I think that's, it. it's just like the whole, that whole beginning is very, this is going to be the plot of this episode. Everything I, in the entire episode is very heavily drilled down. And that's part of the reason I don't like it. Like, especially for, uh, Gina Spenson, this is just so heavy handed and just it's to me so everything just it's like hammer blows mm-hmm. you know everything that's going on it's like here's exposition for you know here's building the characters here's the plot here's this here's that there's no subtlety <laughs> Here, in this episode here's at all here's the guy from dark man i mean larry drake larry drake is great he's also <laughs> uh, dr giggles and he's also the Sa- crazy santa claus and tales from the crypt I did not know that last one. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Also, I've never seen Dr. Giggles, so maybe that's... It's probably best to keep it that way. I don't think I've seen that. <laughs> it's not good. It's not. <laughs> but, yeah, here's, so fine. Here's here's Dr. Giggles. Maybe that's why I don't watch even the though, movies. Even though we don't meet him for a little while. No, we don't meet Dr. Giggles for a little while. <laughs> we, but we do meet Mark Shepard again. We do meet Mark Shepard again. We meet Mark Shepard again for the first time. Yes. Theoretically, depending on what order you're... Yeah. If you're Fox, yes. <laughs> yeah. If you're watching this in 2002, we meet Mark Shepard again for the first time. <laughs> for the second time, for the first time. Yes. And and it is explained pretty heavy-handedly that Look, <laughs> look, rich, rich people don't like me. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he is a, he is a low, like he's a, like a crime Lord, mm-hmm. right? Like he is part he's, of the underbelly of the planet. He's Larry Drake in Darkman. Yeah. He's a crime Lord. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like that, that, that's the part that I don't like from there. You know, we go to the ball, we get some really good Inara, I think, or at least some really good uh, how to outmaneuver someone in conversation. Uh, You know, when he's like, hey, be my personal companion. It's the one thing this episode does really well, in my opinion, is it really she does a great job of elegantly trying to craft what a companion is Mm -hmm. and what that title holds and what does a world how does a world operate where these are like you know this is you know for all intents and purposes a prostitute that is but it's like very high society and upper crust and a society that actually respects sex work what does that look like right and she does a really nice job of taking her time to develop that uh, that idea you can tell was at least to me, that speaks to what drew her into the episode. Like, this theme intrigues me, and this I want to write. The rest is bleh. Like, throw the rest away. I like this. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I I really like the fact that the entire series presents a very positive look on sex work because yeah. historically, as human beings, we haven't really looked too positively on sex work. So, uh, we're not historically, but in recent history. So, uh, since old Jack the Ripper, <laughs> you know, and then Kaylee in the dress, which. What what's the total time to pay off on that? It's not too many minutes. No. It like it's like, hey, what are you gonna do with that in the engine room? And then here I am on your arm and you're wearing the pink fuzzy dress or uh, whatever he calls it. So it's something like something. that. Yeah. Layer cake. Layer cake, yep. yeah, you're wearing the layer cake. And so it's just like the time to pay off in this show is normally not this quick unless it's immediate. Brilliant. So Frilly, yep. That's that would be the word. So, um that's that's kind of interesting. Uh and then we get like probably the most like I feel for you, Kaylee sequence that we've had thus far. When she's trying very hard to fit in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, she's just her being her, right? Like she's just I'm a I'm bubbly, I bounce around and Normally that works great for her where she, you know, wherever they go. But in in the circles it's... that she runs with, that's a fine thing. Mm-hmm. But and now all of a sudden it kind of backfires on her. High society types, on the other hand. And that's... <sighs> I hate you because now I'm thinking critically about every interaction in this entire episode. And I'm seeing, like... Hey, the episode's not very Maybe good it is as heavy-handed as you think it is. It is. I mean, it... And... Yeah, again, there are parts of this episode that are fantastic and themes that she tackles that are very, very smart. It's just, it feels like she has to get the stuff out of the way and it feels so obvious when she's just trying to get something out of the way. And that's really what kind of drives me away from this episode is I just want to talk about the stuff I want to talk about. And I don't, and I want to just dismiss the rest of the world. Like the whole, there's so many characters in this episode that get ignored, that really don't even have a moment like, there's just so little going on for the vast majority of the characters in this episode. Now, if this were season three, episode four, or whatever, that'd be fine. But it's the first, like, this is one of the first episodes you're seeing, and you just don't know who the heck most of the people are without these real quick snippet scenes that let you know that, oh, that's the X, that's the Y. And I think that does a disservice to characters that took so much time to build up already. I understand you want to further push the envelope on character like a character we haven't seen too much of which is anara but you can't ignore the rest of the, the you know the crew of the ship yeah they all get to just hang out on the ship yep they literally the, sit there the guest star tells them to not do anything mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a real problem for me with this episode and that's one of the reasons it's one of my bigger general hang-ups is it just takes so much away from the rest of the episode to fit in this theme when it gets to where she's finally written in a part where we can really expand on that theme like when her and mal are dancing and it cuts back and forth to larry drake and the uh the dude who's playing her what uh atherton uh, wing atherton wing how could yeah, you forget that ridiculous name <laughs> good old ath yeah her and when it cuts to those two and he and like larry drake's like teasing him and they're dancing and like talking and starting to have a good time and you can see that it's really bothering him more and more that's a brilliant elegant sequence of 
kind of defining what a companion is in terms of what it should be and what people perceive it as and even the people who like is it like where is the line here and what is what is it that kind of makes it what it is versus how Anara perceives it, how Mal perceives it, and how Atherton perceives it are all different. And that's really, really elegant writing because none of that is directly discussed, but you you, you feel all of it happening. Mm-hmm. And that's where she's so good in this episode. And you like she's a masterclass writer, right? Like she's a seriously amazing TV writer. And those moments, you know it. Like you like she is a fucking damn good writer. And that makes the rest of it feel so bad because this is clunky horse shit. <laughs> and you get, um, like, it gets or becomes pretty obvious pretty quickly where this is going. And I think as far as the conversations that happen during this sequence, you know, where you're talking about it, it's a little bit less heavy handed than it is at certain points, with the exception of Wing. Like, you you know exactly his feelings about everything, including, uh, what is it? Money changed like money changed hands or whatever he's like th- talking about. Like basically, I bought her. He mm-hmm. has he has the attitude towards sex workers and sex work that sort of a modern American attitude is, and yeah. everybody else is a bit less uh, our current times about it. So it like his stuff's pretty obvious and like I don't know I definitely don't didn't see like and I don't see it even now even though I know what's coming that oh they're going to get into a duel here like this is going to result in two men fighting with swords right and that's and that part is again a nice piece of writing it and it does that directs the other thing this episode does pretty well is it does um the the social socioeconomic divisions and it just and it kind of makes you feel what those are and she does a nice job of balancing all of that where it's like this world doesn't fit with this world these two things don't go together they clash she does a nice job with all of that and i i think it's a cool direction to take it and really help solidify it it just he's just yeah he's just like he's like she's a whore but I have enough money that this is advantageous to me. I don't really respect the position. I just respect the fact that I can, like, this is advantageous to me because I have a shitload of money. I can just buy the best-looking woman. No problem. Yeah. And again, he doesn't quite say that, but he, like, he like he dances all around it. He comes about as close as you can get without actually saying it. Right. And Mal does a really nice job of the whole episode really standing on his kind of, like, this line of, you you your job is a whore you are not a whore like you've chosen to do this work but that doesn't make you one of these things yeah and so he does that he has that really nice he also he also has to do that because he is not a criminal but his job is criminal work exactly and it really helps you again through no direct um, immediate direct like i do this you get that really nice feeling of kind of building on Mal's character and where he considers his kind of credo, where does he draw his line Mm -hmm. with that kind of stuff. And that does, they do a nice job with that. And they do that. That's the point of the opening sequence, right? When you get down to the brass tacks, like these guys were trading slaves and that's horse shit. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to steal their money because they're shitheads. Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, we get that and you see it again here where it's just like, you know, he can, 
you, you may be a whore by definition, but he was treating you like a whore. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. Yeah. And, you know, so you get a lot of that. And it's really interesting. Again, this is what she's really, you can tell this is where she's really interested in the subject matter. And I like that. But I just wish that all the other stuff around it were as drawing as these pieces are. So, I mean, we just get, the problem is there's just so much fluff around it all. Like, even the sword fighting, the sword fighting sequence when he's prepping for the duel is terrible until they get into the actual, like, themes. When she, like, you know, when they're not sword fighting anymore. Because mm-hmm. they have to, like, like, there's just, it all feels so bad. Like, Mal attacks her like he's never been in a fight before. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to kind of put a lot of things we've already seen and already established aside. Well. <laughs> because we need to be able to show that Anara is a swordsman. Again, and we get into the the brilliant, less than brilliant fight choreography. Yeah, that was, I was going to make that yeah. point. Like, I think I've made that point enough times at this point that, like, this show did a lot of things really well. What it did not do was people hitting other people, despite the fact that that happened a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And this, and that scene is like, you know, he like comes at her like he's Boris Karlov as Frankenstein. It's mm-hmm. so bizarre. It's like, he, like he's intentionally like it's like he's trying to draw himself up and scare a small child or something. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. It's just like he hasn't moved like this, and we already saw him in a fight this episode. Yeah, yeah, we saw him better at the beginning of this episode than we did here, and. You know, there there's the part where that can call into question maybe the the nature of his feelings for her, which has really not come up prior to this point. Right. And, you know, maybe it's he's he's got his own, you know, he's wrapped around his own head with trying to figure out or trying to deal with how he feels about her in this moment and how he feels about what he did. And because, you know, even she even she who understands people for a living, you know, doesn't understand his behaviors. Right. And so, you know, maybe, maybe they're trying to show that. I don't really know. It's also just, I don't think this show ever knew how it wanted people to fight. Like, I think they wanted all the fights to feel normal because a lot of, a lot of, uh, television fighting feels like everyone is a martial arts expert yeah a little bit and they and they feel very john wayne-esque right where mm-hmm. like the duke throws a punch guy falls down yeah yeah everyone's got a glass jaw and can get cold cock clean out mm-hmm. and i think this is a sequence where they're trying to they're tr- like most people because once again most of the crew other than the one thing that they are good at is just a normal person you know mm-hmm. like Kaylee's just a just a young, you know, young lady, but she's a whiz with machinery, you know, yep. and Wash is just a dude, but he's really good at flying stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, Jane's just a dude, but he did shoot real good and he won't ask too many questions. Yep. You know, and so I think this is a chance for them to show that Mal is just a dude who just happens to be good at organizing people. You know, and he's not some, he's not the Duke, right? Despite the fact that the character is very similar in a lot of ways. It's, it's just tough because it's just that whole part feels so, we have to do, like, we need a motivation for an R to go to his room. Mm -hmm. And the motivation is, I will teach him, like, some really quick, basic sword fighting so that he doesn't get completely owned. Which but once again calls reason... in, which once again calls in, like, what exactly is companion training? 
well, it's it's a plot device to get her into that room so that in reality they can start to share their feelings for each other. Yes. And like, so I mean, that we can have more scenes with the rest of the crew and Badger and his guys. And that's why that like that scene feels so bad to me, like that sword fighting scene, because we all know why she's going as soon as you see the the little like weirdo doorknob attach and light up, you know why she's going in there. Like she's going in there because she cares about him. Like, why do we need a crappy sword fight? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it it kind of speaks to the characters where she couldn't just go in and say, "But I love you. Don't do this. Like, get out." Mm -hmm. But you know what I mean? Like to couch it in this like weird sword fight. Like, I don't know, man. It just doesn't work. Like, it just really doesn't work for me all that well. And the scenes with Badger, like you had that cool moment with River, like which is like the highlight of the episode for me because. River River, River pulling his accent. Yeah, River doing that and just kind of like immediately reading the situation, knowing exactly what's going on and getting herself out of the situation is like the first moment of real brilliance we've seen from River in the Mm -hmm. whole series. So I do like that. And I do like seeing that like she's capable of flipping a switch very rarely, but under the right circumstances, she can just flip a switch. And she is hyper brilliant, which is an interesting, again, without doing much. Mm hmm they managed to pull that off and it's just it feels it doesn't feel forced it just feels like like because everybody you along with the rest of the crew kind of like have your you know your mouth covered like oh no oh no what's gonna happen (laughs) and then she just super elegantly gets herself out of the situation yeah yeah i i also i don't know you know and i I know we're we're doing a, a good river I don't know if they've if they ever at any point knew how to write River. I think Joss did. I don't know if anyone else did. Yeah, like I feel like thinking about the way she's written at various points. I mean, and I'm not even talking about the movie because everybody is written differently in the movie. Um I just it just feels like it always feels like it's somebody else's words coming out of her mouth. Like it's everybody else, everybody else. I can kind of predict what they're going to say. And I don't know, maybe it's because she's, you know, she's the crazy girl, but it just never feels right. Well, it just always feels like she's a little bit different. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Like that's my, my issue through the series is she's a little bit different. Crazy for the most part. And it just, there's no cohesive, like, you know, anybody with a mental condition or series of mental conditions, you know, I know it's the future and they were experimenting on her or whatever. They would show some consistency in there where she's just every writer treats her a little bit differently. And I think really only Joss knows truly how he wanted her to be. And I think we'll get to that episode. That's um, the one with early, whatever the heck it's called. Objects. Uh, objects. Objects. Yeah. In objects space. In space. Yeah. That's, that's, I think the only episode of the series where rivers truly like, like she that you feel like river is a character finally at this point Mm -hmm. because every other time she feels like a plot device or some kind of like we need her you know she's acting in a weird way we just need her to act in this way so it just always feels like the writer uses her for whatever would be inconvenient Mm -hmm. like she's drawn like she's like a like a one like she has the wonder of a small child so she wanders off yeah she uh, doesn't feel well so she's screaming and going crazy in an already tense moment like it just always feels like she's there to like just make things worse and that's kind of what like I feel like River's lot is and why she's not as good of a character as she could have been and eventually she will between objects and space in the movie I think she does become a fully fleshed out character 
but I think in a lot of these episodes, it's just kind of River is either quiet and out of the way when we don't need River right now, or she's just make, she just makes things worse when we're just looking to add on a couple things to make the situation more tense. Mm-hmm. So that's why I just, I'm not a big, like, I like this moment because this really bucks the trend for the first time and one of the only times for River. Yeah. Get some really, really good River uh, mm-hmm. in here. Absolutely. And it's all just in one exchange. Yeah, because you are. Basically. It's also the one where you find out she's a psychic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. So, and then, so I have to question, because you made such a point about complaining about the sword fighting in the training sequence. I would contend it's actually worse during the actual duel. The choreography, it's... at least. It's pretty bad, yeah. It well, there's no beats. There's like most of the time. There's no rhythm. There's no rhythm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that probably actually probably why it drives you insane. Yes, because you have much better rhythm than I do. There's actual. There's actually no rhythm in the sequence. Generally, when you're fighting, even if you're not like you don't have a stunt coordinator, but if you're just fighting for film or stage, you generally kind of count it out as if you're dancing. You're like one, two, three, four. Usually on an eight count. Yeah, you stage the movements so that people can understand what's going on. And yeah, theater they tend to favor an eight count because you can't cut after a few after a few exchanges. In film, you do fours usually, and then cut away to a different angle where you engage your new fours. And to be fair, it's actually in uh, in dance that they do an eight count. At theater, oh, okay. theater took it from dance. Yeah, there you go. And uh, that all is so that the actors can remember. Swing, duck, swing, fall, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? One, two, three, four. This doesn't even look like they had anyone who had ever learned any type of thing. And they had, bare minimally, they had Summer Glau, who was a professional dancer. Yeah. You know what I mean? At least on set somewhere. Maybe not that day, but, you know, it just feels bad that it looked like nobody had even heard of dancing or any kind of musical rhythmic timing in any respect because it's just kind of like, even Atherton, who's supposed to be this ridiculously well-trained swordsman, we have to try to play it off that he, like, oh, he's just screwing around. Mm-hmm. Like, he's pretending he doesn't know how to sword fight, so that Mal thinks that he's doing all right. Yeah. It almost makes you wonder if they consciously made that decision to make it look so erratic, because Mal's never done this, and Atherton's just messing with him. It's the only saving grace, I can tell you that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, there, uh, Oh, yeah, you're not wrong. There's a lot wrong with the fight, but but again, Maybe that's that's literally been our it. complaint every single episode, or one of us at least has had that complaint. It's supposed to be a bad fight, and it is. <laughs> yeah, it's just gritty and yeah. It's supposed to be a bad fight, and it is. And... I just, I mean, there's a million other ways they could have made, like they could have made Atherton look like he was just screwing around with Mal, than to just kind of make a clunky fight scene. I don't know, like, it just feels like they could have done anything. Like, they could have, like, had him stick his sword in the ground. Well, he just put his sword died. behind his back. Yeah, at a point he does. And it's just, like, just give me something to, early on, to just be, like, just watching this really, like, this is awful, like, awful fight choreography. It's just, it's hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Well, he was just striking and seeing how Mal responded, which was poorly, so he was like, well, this guy isn't anything, I can just mess with him. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's just, I wish, sense. I wish they made it clear, like, you know, made it a little bit clearer in the, like, because it just looks like he's also sloppily fighting. 
You never see him slip into an element the, fight. Does it know went over that? Oh, you're the hesitant. Well, I mean, just you never see Atherton fight like he knows how to fight. Like it just give me. You wouldn't fight. because he doesn't have an opponent that's capable of keeping that up. I mean, instead of just doing like some fancy spin move where I think there's four cuts. So. Within I w- that move, give I w- me some some moment of him looking elegant with a sword because he does it the whole time. I will say to a certain you can't extent, when you're not fighting someone that is also a yes, good fighter. I will say I will I will concede to Paul's point here because um, one of the things that is very difficult think of think of fighting like chess, right? There's a sequence of understood moves on both sides. If both people are trained in the same manner to do the same thing, right? It's like a chess opening. If I open with some ridiculous nonsense that doesn't make any sense, there's a chance I'm going to throw even, maybe not a grandmaster, but a master off of their game. Fighting is very similar because human nature is to find rhythm in things, especially when we are trained in combat. If you look at the way, the reason that sword fighting has positions that you go into is because sword fighting is meant to be a thing done between two people who know how to do it. It is not a thing that is meant to be done historically between one person who knows what they're doing and one person who doesn't. And No, because then they just die immediately. Yeah. And Or sometimes even the person who knows what they're doing dies because the other person gets in what ends up happening several times here. You know, like Mal gets some ridiculous shots in that no normal swordsman would have done. You know, he does things that no one would have done. So maybe, but once again, we have a, uh... Uh, if it's not easily understood from a movie perspective, it's a failure. We don't know that this guy is like, he doesn't do any other than the weird little spin move, which I mean, I guess- They told us he was good at sword fighting. They said it directly to us. Yeah, but he still has to. Prove I understood it. that he was good at sword fighting. Yeah, but he, he doesn't prove it at any point as well. Like, if you're telling me that's a choreographed fight that was intentionally choreographed that way, the fight choreographer did a poor job. Yeah. Only if we watched him fight someone else and was also bad. We never watched him fight anyone else. Yeah, but why? Like, what I'm saying. It's is not like, a martial arts film. He's not going to do a bunch of flips and spins and kicks and stuff without fighting somebody. No, but he could at least get into a an actual sword posture. At no point does he take on an actual like sword fighting posture. He just he stands the sword at him. It's, I think it's meant to explain his arrogance, right? He's also cocky. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, it's, he's got this like Errol Flynn, Errol Flynn smile the entire time. Yeah, it's just. I mean, to me, it just feels like I don't know. The whole thing's really sloppy. I mean, maybe it's because the actor is doing most of the work and not a stunt person, but. That that fight is, I think, unintentionally very sloppy. I think it's fine. Well, of all of the things we're going to disagree on during this series, I somehow did this not expect sloppy. the the series of sword fight to uh, to do it. But um, so then we have uh, we have more braggadocio from Atherton, you know, saying. Uh, you know, when um, Inara's like, please, 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 I promise to just don't kill him, you know? And then we get Mal using bar fight tactics, punching him in the face. Right. 
which I absolutely love because that feels more like Mal than anything we've seen since the sequence outside the the dress shop. Mm-hmm. Like that feels more like the character of Mal than anything since since the scene outside the dress shop. And uh, then he we get a broken sword. Yeah, he stabs him with a broken sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I like the punch. You know what I mean? I like everything about it feels. You know, and that's what got him into the mess is a big punch. So, I also like uh, Sir Warwick, like kill him, don't humiliate him. And it's just like, no, I'm just just gonna kill, him. just gonna humiliate him, <laughs> just just gonna humiliate him because this is barbaric and nonsense. Yeah, well, just that guy doesn't deserve to die. Yeah, like being a douche isn't really a reason to kill a man. He's not a bad guy. He's just a dick. Mm-hmm. You don't suffer when you're dead. You can suffer in your circle now. <laughs> it's exactly correct. It's a, and he and boy is he going to suffer because you know try to ruin a companion and turns out wait a minute <laughs> you've now been blacklisted yeah that's it's an interesting idea too on like a reverse like no no one will come when you call not you know you can just tell people not to call on you that's not how that works well again we go to a universe that actually appreciates and respects the power of people who engage in sex work and because you have this organization that is so well regarded and so well respected, you can have power in people who engage in sex work. And that's really, really cool. You know, yeah. like it's very empowering. And the fact that I don't think at any point during the series, they they explicitly state that companion work is female only. We just only ever hear about female companions. Right. Um, it's very like you don't hear a lot about male sex workers in our current, you know, climate. But I'd like to imagine that the companion organization is very just, you know, if you want to engage in this kind of work, you better be good at it. And we don't really care who you are, or what you are. Yeah. Well, not to get too far ahead in the series, but I mean, they do kind of reference it in Heart of Gold. Mm hmm. So it might be a situation where that's also in the normal, not just the, I don't want to say black market yeah. prostitution, but that's basically what that is. But anyway, mm-hmm. I think it's, so I think it does exist for both sides yeah. in the companion universe as well. It's just kind of cool. I also, I just also love that, like, the, the, Sir Warwick finally agreeing to let Mal do the work because it's like at most points in this episode in his experience with Mal, Mal hasn't proven himself to be too much better than Badger until the very last couple minutes where Warwick flips and says, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can do the work. And then I also like that we finally get back to Serenity and they're about to launch their escape plan to rescue Mal and they don't have to. Badger, get out of here. Do we love each other? Maybe we don't. Let's get cows. That's, I mean, it's neat that all this cloak and dagger and this whole episode has transpired over the transportation of cattle. Yeah, space <laughs> cows in space. Yeah. The idea that transporting cows is illegal. Or that it probably is lines. like... I bet you it just co- like costs a buttload. Like, you gotta pay some crazy amount to the Alliance taxes and stuff yeah so it's like not even worth doing which is why these border planets can't get this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. 
gotta get your yeah. cow tax because all because all you need is a small herd and if you're any good at animal husbandry you can have a large herd so all they need to do is get the small herd you just need a hat and a net if i understand pokemon correctly and you're a pokemon breeder <laughs> yes but you can breed pokemon if they exist wildly cows don't naturally exist humans had to bring them with them which is a whole other thing that they never get into like they had to bring cows from earth that was when they came out like i mean you bring your pokemon in a pokeball i don't think they were traveling with cows in a pokeball from earth that was no, it's cowbell. Maybe. After... It depends, how, depends on how popular Pokemon was at the time, I suppose. <laughs> After, as they say, it got used up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, clearly, I think this is probably our most contentious episode yet. Yeah, I mean, that's what's good about these episodes. I mean, they're all great. Like, at the end of the day, like, this is still on a scale. Like, if you're talking, like, a Firefly scale, that looks a lot different than just my overall television scale well i think i said it i don't know it was the last episode of the episode before it's not that we're ranking them from like best to worst we're ranking them from most good to least good yeah like... exactly it's just <laughs> worth always restating that like while i have strong opinions about the episode these are like pretty minor nitpicks on the whole like i have like this is the one of all the episodes this one i have some of the most problem with but even that being said this is still really well crafted television and especially for the era it came out, I mean, I can't give much higher of a compliment. Yeah. I mean, especially because, again, we have this, like, when was the last time, and I can't think of any time, honestly, when television touched in a positive light on sex work like that. Right. That's unheard of. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very rare. Like, the occasional Western would give, like, the madam... You know, of the saloon, or not the saloon, but the uh, the whorehouse. Of so, the, like, Westworld? Of... Because yeah, Westworld was probably that, Westworld was a, probably the last time, and they're not a real bit people. Of clout. I mean, like you count movies, like maybe like Unforgiven, like stuff like that. Occasionally, where you'll like you'll get this, you know, because I don't know if anybody's seen Unforgiven, but the plot basically revolves around uh, a woman in a whorehouse. Mm. And if you haven't seen Unforgiven, why have you not seen this movie? <laughs> it's great. Because not even like Best Little Whorehouse in Texas plays it this seriously. No, no, not even close. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's it's really interesting and it's an interesting concept. And I think of all the, you know, everything positive I can say about the other, the most positive thing I can say about that episode is that Jana Spenson really did a nice job of it, wanting to push what that meant in terms of society. Mm -hmm. She wanted to make sure that we understood how different it was and what an interesting concept that all is so i think she knocked that out of the park and it's staggering to me too because like it's it shouldn't come as such a surprise that the future would be more sex positive because that's where everything's trending but you know maybe 20 years ago almost it didn't so much feel that way especially on television right like, so I don't know. Once again, this show was miles beyond everyone else who was engaging at the same time. Mm hmm. The show was uh, too good. Too good too soon. It did too much too early. So uh, unless anybody has anything to add, I think that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. 
It does not I appear. I was going to say, it does not appear anyone has anything to add, so that will bring us to the end of this week's episode. Make sure you check us out, www.superliminalfilms.com, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and all of the other places that you're social on the internet. Hey, guess what? We are probably social there as well. Uh, going to take the moment to uh, specifically plug the other podcast on this network that Max and I do comes out every Monday night called Did You See? It's nerds talking about nerd stuff. Bye, everybody.